Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. And the first subject is the levy yield, which yielded better results than initially expected, Maddie. But it came with one or two warnings. Yeah, so 99 million, um, which was higher than was forecast. But while the growth profits were significantly up, um, turnover was down. Julie Harrington reacting, um, saying that, you know, a lot of this is going to be impacted um, by the white paper and the affordability checks and how stringently um, they're enforced. There's still a grey area over that. We're still figuring out what what exactly that's going to mean in the coming months, I know. Um, and, yeah, of course, we're still occupying uh, a strange time economically, really, having emerged from COVID. Um, we're in a cost-of-living crisis. Um, so, yeah, promising on one hand, but on the other hand, also, um, you know, as this levy reform is, is mm. coming into question, um, just what the future of racing is going to look like. Richard, worryingly, um, the, the head of the levy suggested that there may be uh, a, looking, uh, a look at the contribution towards prize money um, from the initial suggestion of, I think, around 66 million. I mean, it continues to be a constant source of concern for anybody competing within the sport. Yeah, it feels like it's getting a little bit better. Um, and I think there is um, room for scope that it, in time it's going to get better again. Um, we, and we have to think that way. We can't just keep saying, oh, the prize money's terrible. Mm. It has got better. And I think there is room for it to get a little bit better again. I spoke to um, a couple of people yesterday, and they seem very optimistic about the future. Well, there are a few points on this uh, on this particular segment of the show that, that are linked uh, when we'll talk about the premiumisation, because what we're trying to do is trying to achieve more turnover in order to increase prize money or, you know, to increase the levy. Um, but it doesn't seem that we're all on the same page all the time. Really? Never. British racing. <laughs> um, no, everyone's. we'll talk about it with premiorisation a little bit later on, but that's the difficult thing, isn't it? As ever, you've got different people pulling in different directions and it's yeah. just down to the right decisions being made and perhaps um, some tough ones that will reap longer-term rewards. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, next on the, on the talking points list, Richard, um, and something I'm sure you'd been acutely aware of, is the value of racing breeding the thoroughbred industry in Ireland. A report in Deloitte uh, estimated at 2.5 billion, roughly. I mean, I, I guess it's not a surprise considering the strength of Irish racing in particular. It's no surprise, but um, Irish racing has always had very close links with the government, and the government help Irish racing. I'm not so sure if it's, it's strong in this country, and it's something that we need to strive to. And also the number of people that uh, are employed within the industry as well, Maddie. Yeah, absolutely huge. 5% uh, increase on when they last did a similar survey. I think it was back in 2016. The, the one thing that stood out for me was the stat that 43% um, of adults said that they were interested in attending a future um, racing event. If you took that same survey in Britain, as mm. Richard said, there's a real distinction um, in, in the relationship between racing and the public and, and the government, of course, Irish racing, um, such a, a rich part of, of the economy um, and as you said Rich it's unsurprising that it's doing so well and success breeds success um, so let's talk about it and, and let's see that we can get on a similar footing here in this country. Yeah, well, it seems as if in, certainly in the, the, the distinction between jump racing and flat racing with that sort of support that correlation that relationship between the government and the industry 
the, the gap between Britain and Ireland in that particular respect is only going to grow at the moment? You'd like to think so, hope so. <laughs> Worryingly. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be left behind, certainly on that side. Um, but I, I, I can't see how our government are going to become more uh, closely linked with racing like in Ireland. Mm -hmm. that's a, I think that's a very unique situation, do you not think? I think so. Um, obviously, we'll we'll see more that happens with the the levy reform because you know they're being lobbied and implored to sort of consider um, racing's contribution to the economy, which is huge um, even in this country. But I definitely think the the structures there are unique, um, and it's not a like for like situation. That's for sure. Okay, there've been some interesting articles written by Irish journalists in the last week or so, um, particularly one from David Jennings in the Racing Post about the Saldier race that took place last week Sunday. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the race? I Richard? hadn't seen it. No. Um, well, I'm, I'm guessing you saw it, Maddie. Yeah. Um, it looked a rather blatant case of Sears inquiry, probably disqualification. What did you make of the, the fallout? Yeah, was, as you say, it's been a puzzling couple of uh, weeks for, for the Irish stewarding teams. Um, this was at Killarney, of course, Via Ardanza was the horse who uh, Saudi jumped across and into markedly at the final fence. So we're talking the later stages of mm. the race. And ultimately, uh, Jodie McGarvey, I think, only missed out by a nose and pulled town in for Willie Mullins winning the race with, with Saudi. Um, it was a bizarre decision. I think anyone watching that race um, had similar thoughts. Um, they'll appeal. Surely the result would have to be amended. <sighs> Isn't there some sort of rule if they're in the air and they collide? That there's no... If it's obvious that they're going running down the fence <coughs> before the fence and then collide, yeah. that's different. But I think if they skew in the air and then bang each other... It's well, it was quite a significant bump. And I think there was interference after the line as well, on the run to the line. So the winning margin of a nose mm. kind of almost expected the Stewards' Inquiry and expected to be thrown out, but mm. there was nothing. Um, the, obviously, and you mentioned uh, issues with the Irish Stewards at the moment. There was the Rachel Blackmore incident on yep. the Friday, yep. um, which was a bit puzzling, to say the least. I think this is the thing, isn't it? When we talk about stewarding... All most people want is a clear line to know where they stand. Consistency. And it doesn't seem like there's been consistency with these decisions. Um, you then chuck in the Charles Burns case as well. Um, so I think it's, it's, a, it's a tough one because people don't really know where they're standing and, and decisions that are expected to go one way are going another. Um, yeah. You need confidence in, uh, in your authorities to, to sort of police the sport and, and keep it going forward in the right direction and it seems like the confidence has taken a bit of a nosedive this week. Yeah, well the higher authorities are picking up uh, certainly on the Rachel Blackmore incident so they will be having a look at it hopefully coming to the right decision. Um, next up, fixture premierisation. Uh, Richard, we've often talked about how crowded a Saturday afternoon is in Britain. Is it right that we filter away the non-premier race meetings um, and leave just a couple for that golden spell between two and four in the afternoon, which I think is basically what fixture premierisation is going to be? I think it's a good thing, personally. Um, on weekends, staff is a nightmare. Um, so on your weekend, you have half the staff that you did, and if you have runners in five different tracks, that's five more people going out of the yard. Like It's a real strain on staff. If it generates more money and there's four good meetings mm. on, then the grassroots of racing is going to be better for it anyway. So I think it is a good thing. Mm. And that's what the BHA research says, is that, that at the moment the sport seems to be cannibalising itself with so many fixtures on, 
there's not enough room for the good racing to breathe and other other races of lower quality are attracting punters turnover yeah and i understand that you know when we are lucky enough to have itv racing coverage for instance we need to be make sure that the right races are scheduled at the right times to maximize um turnover but as we've said this sort of concept of taking a step back uh, in the short term and some people suffering for a potential benefit in the long term it's not going to be a situation that everyone's happy with and those smaller independent race courses are going to struggle um, the one thing I'd say interesting about moving these times is some of those meetings are probably going to be moved to twilight meetings you know even looking at something like the Sunday series now I know trainers find it quite difficult don't they to to have staff yeah. out late on a Sunday and that can be quite challenging as well but um yeah, I'd like to see some more data and some more hard facts around why they think this is such a good idea and exactly what the profit margins are going to be on, on implementing it. Um, because the smaller courses are asking for some financial um, benefits, if you like, if, they are, if their fixtures are taken out of control for two years. Um, and it's all just getting a bit messy. Well, we had uh, Bill Farnsworth at Musselburgh. We've had Pat Masterson at Newton Abbott. Chester mm -hmm. have also spoken out against it. James Sanderson was saying the other day there's the possibility of legal action, yeah. um, which... But well, everyone says there's too much racing. But that's so it. they finally bring it down. That's They're still not happy. Someone has to take control. Yeah. I mean, you that, know that's ultimately where I'm, yeah. saying, I'm saying. You know, we, we keep talking about it. We kind of all agree generally 90% or more think yeah. that there's too much racing there's not enough to go around there needs to be someone somewhere taking yeah. the taking biting the bullet and saying look like okay. Tuesday of one meeting and Saturday of nine meetings it, it doesn't make sense and we've had discussions going slightly off piece here but about um, the jump season and jockeys not having enough of a break and, and things like that mm -hmm. as well um, we just need to get more control over the fixture list ultimately don't yeah. we and this premierization Who's to say that moving these fixtures times is actually going to make things easier in, in that way? So many challenges in this sport of horse racing. It'll never stop. Um, next one. Amadian, this is, this is one for you. Epsom Gallops morning. Um, you've got your view on maybe opening it up to a few more people outside of regulars yeah i think i was inspired um by how well newmarket open weekend and lambourne open weekend did uh in this front um such a success story of inviting you know racing fans into the inner sanctum really um and i know it, the event it used to be called breakfast with the stars and um it's it's sort of changed a lot in in recent years um these days there's there's uh, accredited media allowed to go and and also members but Epsom's uniquely placed, given that there, there is public land there. And I just think it could be good to re-market, re-energise it. I know Epsom, they, um, the Jockey Club, are doing their best, and this is mm. something that they're going to discover. Any, uh, they're going to discuss anyway. Um, but yeah, why not? When racing's struggling to get people to go uh, racing, when we need to convert people who occupy that middle ground, why not try something a little bit different? You know, why not reserve a section of of the Epsom's downs for the public put on some coffee stalls some cake you know bring people along tell them what we're doing the opportunity to see you know some real epsom hopefuls gallop right next to you um and if you're if you're a fully fledged fan you'll love it and if you're not you might learn something new and it segues quite nicely into the big race uh, in a few weeks time so i i just thought it was a nice concept to um 
you know, we need the support to do it and you need the horses to be out the track and working and, mm. and I understand it's difficult to promote that when you don't know who's going to turn up. Um, but I thought given the, you know, the challenges that racing's facing at the moment, it's just a really nice opportunity to actually open our doors and go, here's what we're all about, here's what we're doing and uh, come uh, and see us. I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it, Richard? It's a very good idea. I mean, why not open it up? To the yeah, point? if Old Trafford said anyone wants to come watch them train next week, <laughs> There'd be 20,000 people there like yeah. a shot. Um, there's an awful lot of racing people that Open Day is a really special place in Lambourne. Mm -hmm. A lot of people come in that had no interest in horses, all of a sudden they were a racehorse owner. Yeah. We need more days like that. Okay, well, as we're focusing on Epsom, we can have a look at the Derby picture now. Um, we can talk about all the horses that are potentially lined up. Will's spoken about military order this morning. We spoke about the Foxes, Passenger, etc. I'll start with you, Richard. Your ride in the Derby would be definitely Aidan O'Brien's horse, Augusta Rodin. Really? Yeah. Really? Man, he's a oh. really good horse. You don't become a bad horse overnight. He's a really good horse. I'll one blip in the guineas. There's certain ways of saying really, but I went really, and Mad Maddie went <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maddie, Faye. please. No, it's not that. I mean, it's Aidan O'Brien. You know, you're never going to discount him. But I find it, and it speaks volumes, just how much confidence there is in the camp and out of the camp in, in this horse. Um, and I guess, yeah, one run didn't go to plan, clearly. Yeah. But it's going to be totally different to what he faced uh, last year. And I think he's very short at the top of the market, considering we've not not seen him. But I guess we know he has that quality. And you coming from a, a jockey's art. perspective... Yeah. You'd rather it's that. not like he'd never ran and his first run was in the Guinness, <laughs> so we don't know. Always only yeah. talking horse. Yeah. This is horse has proven himself. Okay. And Aiden has known over the years, just because you run one bad trial, they're there for trials. Get the fizziness out of them, the freshness. Okay. And Ryan so would have looked after him and known that yes. long term plan. Yeah, and the fact he? that they went for a Guinness with him, he's a derby horse. Hoping That's they could do the two, you know. Camelots, Australia's, etc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay. Really? Maddie, really? <laughs> would be your choice. Uh, I've been telling people I've had too many bets in the race already, so I've had uh, three. One's gone down the, down the wayside, uh, passenger, and then uh, Waipiro, who uh, before yeah. he ran behind military order, um, I thought he was a nice horse. It's going to be a big ask for either of them to win, um, but I think military order is very solid. I think personally, he should probably be outright favourite mm. based on what he did at Linkfield. Um, he reminds me a lot of his brother, Adiar. He's got that big, strong yeah. physique, which you wouldn't think naturally you want around Epsom, would you? Probably Perhaps. stays better than him, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought he, he did really well to nip up the inside there. Um, he ticks a lot of boxes for me. Uh, I think if Sir, Sir Michael Stout convinces Connections to pay 85 grand to supplement passenger, that will do. I was almost shocked. I mean, we know that that's what, how a lot of the race you know generates this prize money, but that's a hell of a lot of money to be putting your faith in yeah. in a horse who's only had two runs. I mean, it's worked for him before. Chris Kinn, he had to supplement. You know, having had him in the race, took him out. Uh, he doesn't like being reminded of that. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the Oaks picture, Maddie. I'll start with you here because just to reiterate, you s like saved the last dance as your selection? Yeah, I was at Chester for the first time, got absolutely rained on, but had a wonderful time when she was there. Saw her going around the paddock. She stood out by a mile. She did look to be in season, which right. I've never seen on a race course before. So obviously, to my eye anyway, I'm no, no vet or expert on that front. Um, just blew me away absolutely blew me away and I think Ryan Moore's comments afterwards spoke volumes that he was saying that it's the best feel that a horse has given him yeah. in that race around there 
Um, and she's a, a raw horse, you know, she, she was very well balanced at Chester, but I think she's got so much more progression to come. Um, she will handle whatever the ground will be. Will Soul Sister, if she turns up, and the others, they've got, got some improving to do. They've got to kick on, I think. All right. Uh, Richard, what about you? I mean, and, and do you buy her performance in that sort of ground? Yeah, people are saying, oh, the, maybe she was uh, flattered with the ground, but her mother is an American filly. All her pedigree is mm. fast ground. Yeah. And the sectionals were particularly strong. I think the, the last two furlongs were a good bit quicker than Arrest, who won the Vars. Yeah. Uh, and she gave that impression visually. I mean, she took some pulling up, and she was flying. Her, her mum's the horse that um, Olivia Pelle jumped off. Yes. On the way down to the start when they had the thunderstorm. Was that Enables Oaks? I think it, it might was. have been. Enable and Rhododendron, yeah. that's right, mm, yes. Um, she'd come over from America, and you remember, I don't know if you remember it, the thunderstorm and running away down to the start, <laughs> heading at a bolting, um, and Olivia off. Pellier mm. jumped off. I mean, probably. Yeah, you always, call. when you're getting bolted, there's a time where you go, the horse is running blind. You've got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> she was heading down to the end of that mile yeah. and a half start, and there's, you know, it's very close to. Yeah through the rail, so he did the right thing. Thankfully, all was okay. such a unique okay. thing, though, isn't it? Having an American yeah. filly come over for the Oaks. Such a shame it didn't work out. Yeah. It really yeah. is. I'd love to see more. Give it a go. Let's hope so. Let's hope one day Bob Baffert turns up with a whole host of classic <laughs> contenders uh, at Epsom. That has been this week's Talking Points.